Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and puts a tiny devil costume in one of the most important areas of wrestling history. This will be the first in a series of new videos we're doing, ongoing Nitro flashbacks, starting at where it all began with Nitro episode one. I, of course, can't go back to the future without uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly of the wrestling world. First, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? I, I, I would like to know which one is which, to be perfectly honest, Dave. I'm going to uh, leave this to the fans, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the cheap way out. I'm good, I'm good. I guess I have a small bone to pick with Connor. Nitro's great, man. I don't know how you can't uh, watch these episodes every single week. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. It's a little different when it's two hours shorter. <laughs> no, no, no. Excuses, excuses. And of course, from over the pond, Connor O'Donnell, how are you doing? Good, Dave. These these intros are getting very heavy. No, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It was a lot of fun to watch uh, 80s WWF, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is uh, quite the show uh, for a first. I don't know. As an old school fan, I felt that Hogan and Macho didn't get enough attention back in the heydays. So I'm glad that they're shining a light on them in this company as well. This was really cool to watch, though, because I have actually never seen this episode. I've just seen the the clip of of Luger coming out like a thousand times, but I've never sat down, watched the whole card. It's pretty much what Eric has, like his vision kind of carried through even to like our timeline, pretty much. It kind of gets muddied along the way, but you could, you could tell what, what Eric was going for in the beginning. I think he hit it in strides from this episode. Yeah, a lot more positives from this than I thought. I thought uh, I thought it would be a bit soundbite or a bit uh, clip-baity. Like, we've all seen the one or two clips from this show. We know what it's about. Yeah, this is a decent vision for a wrestling show, I think. Uh, we've already joked about it, but only 45 minutes long compared to the behemoths oh. of shows we're used to nowadays. <laughs> so good. Could you imagine how much more wrestling you would watch if the shows were shorter? Oh, yeah. i probably watch, yeah, three or four companies then. <laughs> yeah. I'd keep up with so much more if this was all I had to do rather than the eight hours worth of WWE and stuff. I think there's a, a good middle ground after this. I do agree. I love the brevity of the show, Brett, uh, of Brett, Sher- uh, Brett of Fresh Air. But I, I think hour and a half, two hours max. And there's some really good shows in that kind of era. But yeah, I, how do we ever watch a wrestling show nowadays, guys? You don't. I just yeah. don't. I, yeah, I, I watch WCW instead. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Dave, I know you mentioned Back to the Future, but we literally do live 25 years in the past at, at this moment for wrestling. This is you. very true. <laughs> just seeing like just seeing the Mall of America, like that's also just a weird mm. thing to me. Just seeing malls being a big thing. Although the Mall of America is still like a, a huge thing, I think. I, I've actually never been to the Mall of America. Yeah, famous venue for this first show. And uh, I kind of loved it. I kind of loved the presentation, the production where you, the escalators are kind of full of people kind of looking down and you get this really nice tiered feeling, like it's almost a stadium to it. I, th- I think it's kind of cool, like probably not somewhere I'd run a show often, but I, I like the gimmick. Do you know what I'd be afraid of? And what? It's the one thing that they seem to have nailed somehow. I, I don't know whether it's by chance or if they papered the event like liberally, but the crowd is really, really good. It's, yeah, it's engaged <laughs> and like actually involved with what's going on and they seem to know who's who everybody is and they're able to react there's so many possibilities there where they just go yeah let's just run a show and people will come and it'll be great and then there's like 
eight parents in the crowd with their four-year-old children who have no idea what's going on and they're not reacting to anything. And it would just be very, very WCW to just not think of that. So to see a crowd that actively engaged was uh, quite the surprise. Yeah, you have to say it is a surprise when you think about like Hog Wild and Road Wild. Yeah. Incurred WCW, yeah, they, they would have held this show as a pay-per-view, like their star <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, 100% I was going to compare it to Road Wild. And yeah, pay-per-views are different, but the crowd is so into this. And there's, uh, the brevity of the show helps as well, right? Like Especially from opener to close, there's not a stop in the action at all. So it's easy for them to stay, you know, stood up and applauding the whole way through. Yeah, I, th- I think the Mall of America, it's more of an icon culturally than Sturgis. N- not to like downplay like the big event that Sturgis is, but... Yeah, just more people can get behind. The market's much bigger than people just going to a mall than people liking motorbikes. Yeah. You know, I, I could see myself going to the Mall of America and passing by. Ooh, wrestling. I can go get yourself some pasta, that. apparently. Oh, God. I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> jumping the gun a bit, jumping the gun a bit. I have not watched many of these nitros. And uh, one thing that stands out to me, that iconic opening. I think they nailed that pretty well. Was like I still remember that to today from the couple of shows I saw when I was younger and like a little bit of research I did for it. But yeah, a really good production, a really good opening to the show. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they nail it from the beginning. Yeah, and it's it's really good first step. Even like Eric's kind of booming intro voice. The vision was definitely there. It really feels like a big deal. I, I have been one to uh, to jump on Eric's every mistake in this podcast, but I forgot pre NWO. Eric's a pretty good like commentator. He's a pretty good play by play guy. Sometimes, I <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Pretty good, maybe a bit much. I think, but well, compared to the McMahon that's on commentary on the other company at the moment, I think he's <laughs> he's pretty decent. I'm biased. I love McMahon. Yeah, I, what a I maneuver! Think, I, I think yeah, I think Vince has been parodied so much. It's hard to remember, but. He's not as bad as as people make him out to be, and I don't think Eric is as good as you're making him out to be. He's gr- he's grand though. I mean, he looks great in comparison to one of his co-commentators. So we get introduced to that team straight away. Uh, Eric introduces us to the newest member of the broadcast team, which is Mongo McMichael. I think he says permanent member, which is not at all true. A couple months removed from this. <laughs> Uh, Eric, uh, Eric's and Mongo's banter is interrupted uh, by uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and uh, straight away Eric's trying to start a kind of rivalry between uh, Heenan and Mongo, which unfortunately oh, treads through the whole show. Yeah, it's not yeah. great. It's bad. I mean, I, I like Bobby saying you were big when you played in Denver. You were great with the Cubs. Those are good jokes to land on, but Mongo does not know how to play off that. Nope, he's not as good as Bobby is. Mongo has two nicknames that he uses up in the first, I think, fifteen seconds of the first match and then proceeds to use them throughout the course of the show over and over. I got to give a shout out to Mongo though. Clearly the trailblazer in terms of the clothes style that Dusty could only hope to follow up on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's been like a requisite uh, item for them to do the job that you're like, yes, you need to be loud and you need to be proud about it. <laughs> he doesn't have the dog in the, in the opening. No, though, right? <laughs> I was going to mention that, that later. That really confused me. I was going to mention that later. later. The dog yeah. just magically appears at the end of the show. Yes. Sorry, sorry to jump the gun there, but it really bothered me that <laughs> poor dog. Like, it has to be at these shows all the time. Wrestling was never a good environment for dogs as, as we knew with the, with the bulldogs. 
Yeah. Also, recent, this has been recently with uh, Cody and his husky, and he keeps trying to force it to the ring. He leaves dog, leave dogs out of wrestling, guys. Okay, leave dogs out of wrestling. Uh, for all in, I was I was okay with it, but beyond that, no. Fair, fair. The first match of the night is uh, even looking back now between two revolutionary high flyers. It's a uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman. And whoa, this is something, this is a dream booking scenario, right? This is like, if you're looking back to the annals of history, like a best ever show kind of thing, a match you'd book. was really excited to see this on the card. Give him his proper name, Dave. <laughs> Flying Brian Pillman. There, it's, no, no, just Flying Brian. There's no, Pillman. no Pillman here. Yeah, he's just Flying Brian for, for this evening's show. Yeah, I, I agree with that. These two guys are legit anyway. Probably my first like legit singles match that I've seen of uh, of Pillman. Yeah, actually thinking of yeah, I, I've I've watched so, I saw some of his early tag stuff with Austin, but I've never seen many Pillman matches in full. I've seen like highlights and stuff, but this is a cool opportunity. Apparently, these guys have had one or two pretty famous matches before this. They've just they've done the rounds together. They're 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 pretty crisp. This is really them putting their best foot forward. This is really. WCW showing what their relationship with New Japan can bring. And there's been a couple duds on the timeline we've done, but yeah, bringing Liger over is a, a slam dunk. Yeah, I was going to say, this is um, going to be a theme for the for the show itself With in terms of pretty much every match in that um, it's people that really know each other. They've wrestled plenty of times before. And as a consequence, it's like a greatest hits showing for lots of them. So it's safe. It works. It's perfectly acceptable wrestling. No, nothing is uh, out of this world, but it's all good and reliable. You, you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's going to hit the spot for what you want to emote from it. It is kind of weird. They they pushed this uh, Japan or this the international talent pretty hard in 95 in particular, because I know in Starcade it's like US versus Japan. Like your biggest show, Starcade being like, kind of like a C pay-per-view. It's really it's a really bizarre pay-per-view. I, I would actually love to cover it at some point because I've I've just seen Ooh, highlights of it. A sweet idea. Like, wow. like when you look back at it coming from <laughs> Halloween Havoc and the the Yete going to Star <laughs> K with Japanese stars. Like what were what were wrestling companies thinking in 1995? Like they are all over the place. This isn't just does w- this isn't just WCW. WWF is all over the place in 1995. I, I always wondered who was the actual Japanese wrestling fan in the outfit, like in WCW. Who got this going? Do any of you guys know that at all? I would have thought it was Eric. I don't know if I would have if he would call himself a like aficionado or anything, but I think he was just keen to get the best talent he could in any way yeah. in order to do the best job. So why not try and bring over guys that WWF can't get? Yeah, that's very true. I, I know that um, Ono was like big and liaising it, but I don't think he was the one that presented it to the company or anything. I can't remember the name that Bischoff drops on his podcast because mm. his podcast, uh, he rambles on a lot. So it's hard to yep. really retain a lot of information <laughs> from, from that. Sometimes he gets going. Yeah. From what I remember, it, it sounded like like he had a connection to start a relationship. So like might, might as well try it. And WCW was just not really a well-known company at this point. And it's something that we didn't really talk about. That's like WCW was a clear number two at this point. So going prime time on Monday night was a, Really ballsy move by them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of love the story behind that to segue a little bit. Uh, Eric was basically just asked, "What what do you need to get this company to new level?" And he shot for the moon. 
he was like, yeah, I want a primetime slot on Monday. That would really help us. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll just put you against Raw. They just had fate in the guy. And again, a lot of criticisms for Eric and what he's done in his career, but what a ballsy move. <laughs> what a ballsy move, you know? Raw had been on the air for three years at that stage as well. Yeah, he makes a specific point to say that when he asks for that, I, I, I think actually Ted is willing to give it to him without him even really having to ask. I was re-listening to his podcast on this show. and Yeah, he, he says it's, he, it was Ted's idea, but yeah. Yeah, but his stress on it is that he wants it to be live. He's like, whatever we do, it needs to be live because he wants to establish that anything can happen that eventually WWF steals basically as a, as a tagline. Uh, yeah. He wants that mentality. He wants it to be like, what's going to happen next? We'll even have this at the end of the show. They don't do it right, but it's there. So it's actually quite interesting to listen to him speak on it now. I find it quite fascinating because his approach to it would have been so different to everybody else at the time. It, nowadays, I'm sure it's 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 different. But when you when you hear him think and and work out like what his process was, it's it it is definitely quite a revolutionary idea in terms of the wrestling industry, anyway. Well, it was well thought out, and I think that's what's so weird about it, because you look yeah. at other WCW things, like, this wasn't very well thought out, but then you think about this show and the concept of Nitro, yeah, this this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, This opening match is something, as you said, well thought out, that like is a pattern of Bischoff's, whether you think he's that involved in the booking, kind of in our timeline, or like where these guys are on the card. They've always wanted Cruiserweights to start. They've always had fate in some of the foreign guys uh, heating up the crowd exactly what Pillman and Liker do here. Because the show is so short, they kind of rush some of their spots, not in a bad way, but they get a lot of their stuff in in the like, couple minutes they have. Oh, it's 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 actually a great contrast to the current timeline because yeah. it, it may feel a little rushed, but they get into the match really quick. Yeah. And it's such a breath of fresh air compared to the current wasting time of... Stalling. All right, here comes the NWO. <laughs> They're going to walk out for the next three minutes. And, um, <laughs> This yeah. the action's quick, and we just get right to it. Even though they don't really introduce the some of the wrestlers very well, or some of the storylines very well, we'll talk about that as we go along. But yeah, they, they just call Liger like like most popular wrestler in Japan. Like, oh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true at this time, but okay, we'll go with it. I I'm pretty sure the crowd just thinks he's a Power Ranger, guys. So it don't even matter. Big moves by both men to open this match. And it is just, if you've ever seen a Liger match, if you've ever seen Pillman do his thing, all the big spots. Liger with some big power bombs and a senton off the apron onto Pillman. Pillman catching Liger with a picture-perfect dropkick midair when Liger comes off for a crossbody. Uh, and he goes, uh, Pillman hits a crossbody from the top rope to the outside, which is always a super scary spot for me. Both men just looking like a million bucks. I think the only misstep is a few botched head scissors by Pillman at the start of the match. And Brain does an excellent job covering that in commentary, saying that Pillman has just recovered from a broken leg, and he seems to still be favoring it. I actually enjoyed Eric building up the the surfboard. It was uh, yeah. nice to hear commentators talk about moves and yeah. not the NWO for a change. So that was a nice <laughs> change. Eric clearly knew what he wanted as his tagline for WCW because he says it about eight times in this in this opening match. That's probably the one thing that will be burned in my brain is that WCW is where the big boys play. Oh my God, please stop saying it. <laughs> I, I think this match is the highlight of the night for me. Commentary's on point, you know, a couple missteps, but when a match is rushed, it's going to happen. 
crowd love it. They're just there to watch wrestling. That these guys might not be the most well known, and if if we're to hazard a guess, these guys might not be known by the crowd at all if they're not already WCW fans. But they love everything they're giving. The match ends when Pillman hits a tornado DDT. When they picks up Liger, Liger standing switches for an attempt at a German, but a quick victory roll for a three count for Pillman. Nice show of like uh, respect afterwards by Pillman, handshaking a hug and raising Liger's hand. And crowd are already in love with this uh, product. It's very cool to see too that it was it was like a 50-50 match and both you know with both guys shaking hands and Liger didn't really play the typical Japanese evil man yeah. role so that that was a nice change of pace great, as yeah. well from a lot of the matches we've seen for the Japanese wrestlers so yeah great great way to start the show Eric interviews Hogan for the, my favorite segment of this whole episode afterwards Hogan is surrounded by kids in the, in his mall of American restaurant, uh, 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 his pasta maniacs, his pasta maniacs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is in pasta mania. Cause when I think Hulk Hogan, I think heaping bowls of pasta. Also when I'm in a mall, I think, you know what I need right now? Big old bowl of pasta served by someone that looks like Hulk Hogan. This is surreal. Like, I do not believe it's true. I believe somehow the guys knew where I was going to watch this episode and convince people to add this to the video. It's like the Too Many Cooks video from Adult Swim. This can't be a real thing that happened. I was like, somebody thought that uh, it was a good idea to license Hogan's name. Because he, he literally had nothing to do with the, with the restaurant. He had something to do with saying yes to it. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, they he got paid to give yeah. his likeness. That's literally all he had, he had to do with it. I, I imagine so. That's what happens with a lot of sports. Like they name a bunch of sports heroes in America that have restaurants, and it seems like a lot of them are under the same umbrella. So he says something about hooker maniacs, and he he names something on the menu that he keeps name dropping, and he tells Bubba the titles on the line, and he's at three bowls of pasta, so he's gonna beat him. That's not how pasta works. It's just gonna make you sleepy, kids. Don't eat three bowls of pasta before you do exercise. You're gonna be sick everywhere. He encourages people to eat pasta because it keeps them nice and slim. And that's pretty much the opposite to any major <laughs> nutritional advice that anyone's ever given. Well, actually, at the time, this is the yeah. way the, the food this pyramids the were being yeah. built up. So yeah, we just didn't know, man. It's it's whatever. On it's top. the 90s. Sign of the times, man. Top, carbs and sauce. <laughs> yeah. Big section <laughs> of the pyramid. <laughs> My assumption was he was going to incapacitate Big Bubba with his complex carbs. That's what that was the plan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it's just so weird. And I, I love that Eric has problem getting through all the kids. The kids are just tearing lumps out of Hogan. <laughs> my, my favorite quote is uh, when Eric's talking about the show and they're watching this bit and he's like, doesn't matter what you're doing or where it is, if Hogan's involved, Jimmy Hart will show up. <laughs> <laughs> And he's just in the background somewhere. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I I love one kid in the foreground I noticed. Stop giving a shit about Hogan and just start stunting for the camera. (laughs) Like that kid knows how the business works. I'll joking aside, like this was obviously terrible and just shameless product (laughs) placing. But uh, it was actually nice to see something different than typical I mean Gene, here's my interview type thing. So it uh, I don't I was okay with it. I don't mind the way they conducted the interview. It does show how much power Hogan has because this isn't a product WCW would have made money off. This is a product Hogan makes money off personally. So he has so much sway in that company at this point that they're letting him run his personal ads on their first episode of Nitro. 
he's responsible for a lot of their money making. So oh yeah, oh, they kind of have to do it. <laughs> oh, I, I don't blame them for doing it. It just shows how much they have in Hogan, how much stock and like right. how yeah, much well, control he has. I mean, at th- at this point, like he's what is he getting like ten percent of all the buy rates or something stupid that he shows something up on? Insane, yeah. Like, yeah. So he's everything oh, to them. Like he is the golden goose. He like, is the Eric has brought stage, him in yeah. to bring the show up to a level where people will watch it more. So yeah, it, it's a necessary evil. Which is weird. There's like, is this the way you want to portray your champion? Like, this is the way you want to introduce <laughs> yeah. him to this new audience? Maybe I'd, I'm guessing Ho- Hogan is already known by you know the the regional audience that it, they don't need to introduce him. I guess, but. Yeah, know, it's, 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 it's so hard to hurt his reputation, right? Like, everyone in America knows who Hulk Hogan is. He's doing movies at this stage, you know. He's been in the big wrestling company forever. That I mean, he was in Suburban Commando by this point. Yeah. So that, yeah. that was the big selling point for me. Top tier. <laughs> so it's hard to hurt his rep, but him <laughs> eating bowls of pasta before wrestling, it's close. It's certainly close. This is nowhere near as mental as his promos against Warrior. So this is like lucid uh, when you compare them. <laughs> Are we crazy for seeing Warrior in the mirror? Or is he crazy? I cannot at its wait for that angle, guys. I cannot <laughs> wait. We're close, too. We're getting close. Yeah. We're coming. Yeah, we're coming up yeah. on it. Yeah. Second night of the match uh, is a main event, pay-per-view main event caliber uh, fight. And it's the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, against Power and Paint Sting. And this is foreshadowing of a, a pattern WCW takes for the next couple of years, which is get the best main event for a pay-per-view you can think of and jam it on Nitro. <laughs> These guys have had a countless encounters at this stage, though. They know each other inside out. There's some legendary things. And Rick makes it a point at multiple times to try and make Sting the next guy or so. So the story is told. And it's probably true. Like Sting beating Flair is probably the highlight of his career. One of the biggest points and make some kind of a mainstay in wrestling. Yeah, all, all that makes sense. This is the opposite, though. So we, we talk about Hogan being known by everybody, but does the national audience really know Sting and Ric Flair? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't so, think so, man. no. They no. don't really explain what the storyline is going on with Flair because he's been going through you know a bit of transformation, and we'll get into it as the match goes along because it's his best friend comes out. What is he doing? What's the storyline? They don't really tell you. Whose side is he on? Sorry. Um, we're, yeah. We're yeah, I know. That's, we're that's early, already there but, from the start. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to watch this going back and going, oh yeah, I forgot his theme song, which is basically the Steiners theme song. I thought that um, too, yeah. <laughs> it's the same riff. Like it, It's just the same riff. It, it, he's brightly colored. He's this lovely lavender and purple ring gear which is so far away from where where we're at in 1998. Different human being, for sure. Uh, he's yeah. totally different. He's clearly using the same bleach as Ric Flair also uh, <laughs> to get to get the hairstyle. And yeah, you're just looking at it and going, wow, this, he really has changed a lot in, the to- in terms of the timeline. But when you see him wrestle, you're like, hmm, hasn't really changed his moveset, though. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, we... I have this point written down as well. We we were making this point when the when we first saw um, Sting come back and fight Hogan. I'm like, wow, he does the same moves except he doesn't smile, and he does slightly less of the super face stuff. Sting gets a lot of credit for transforming his uh, his stuff, but it's not for a while until we really see him do proper character work as the as the new Sting. But I like old Sting. 
I'm a big fan of uh, McFoley. I love Sting McFoley matches. And uh, it's kind of nice to see him do his routine here because uh, this match is 99% Sting as well. This match is uh, the point where I realized that we are watching a glorified house show uh, oh, in yeah. terms of mm-hmm. like how they're presenting yeah. the matches. Later on in this live debut broadcast. Oh, what, what in the hell is he doing here? Get the camera Who? off of him. Get him out of here! Somebody call the security guards! What? Get the security and get him out of here! What's this he is doing wrong? What is he doing wrong? This is just unabashed arrogance. Before we delve into the match, we get the biggest moment of this uh, of this episode and what's recapped multiple times still to today. That's Luger walks out just to stand and watch the guy start their match, I guess. But the fans instantly know him and start chanting, uh, chanting his name. And I still hate that weird white shirt he has on. To <laughs> that puffy shirt. Did you? Oh my did either goodness. of you guys have that kind of shirt when you were growing up? No. 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 Never. <laughs> just, just me I didn't, didn't want to okay. be a pirate. Growing <laughs> <up>. <laughs> he looks uh, like he's definitely... an aspiring like uh, Shakespearean actor. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I think it's more piratey for sure. I agree with yeah. Connor. And um, there's definitely a photo or two of myself wearing that style shirt. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I have to see that. You yeah. have to take that one out. <laughs> well, while this is a real iconic way for this to go down, it's also kind of weird, right? Like he pops up later again in the show, but I've never seen it in the whole context. He just walks down the aisle, looks at Sting and Luger. Security ask him to move on, so he does. Fantastic okay yeah i guess we know he's here and it is important to know he's there but there could have been so many different ways to approach that i will say though that the crowd does know who he is oh yeah if you're gonna go oh i don't know how much people know sting and rick but they do know lex from his journey as a wrestler so that does help yeah quick rundown for people who don't know so this is a jump directly from wbe Literally the night before this, Lex was in a house show, and a week before this, he was interfering in the main event of SummerSlam. So this is huge, and it gets talked about now, but maybe it's lost in the shuffle of how big all the NWO defections are. But this was jaw-dropping. This has never happened before in wrestling. Lex leaving like this is a, a huge reason for non-compete contracts and a lot of the BS we ha- they have to jump through today to work for different companies when they leave uh, leave the big one. This was hugely dam- damaging for WWE and a sign of things to come in the next couple of years. I don't know if I agree and, and think it's as damaging. It was kind of a mutual transaction, I, I, I kind of felt, because like Luger really wasn't working in the WWF. And I know even Bischoff says he was a little reluctant to bring him into WCW, but I, th- I think they, they used him. probably. This is probably his best run, I think. Yeah, I yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. He's a pretty limited guy in aspects, and we've witness it ourselves at pay-per-view they get very big pops out of them even in a period where they're moving on from his style of wrestling they're still getting big reactions from him. he is limited now i mean i think you're gonna have to try and dig out some matches for to get to suggest for people to watch because luger used to be really good and for anybody who's not really aware is he, he's in a very serious motorcycle accident which changes his entire complexion basically it doesn't so. detract much from the match the crowd are into it 
And this is kind of the start of every Sting flare match you've ever watched. So it's Sting getting everything. Flair bumping like crazy. We get two big grill press slams, a huge hip toss. Flair bells to the outside. But when he comes back in, like even with a bit of dirty moves, some tums and a chop, Sting just stops selling instantly. They don't do this whole build up. They don't do this like flares on top for like 15 minutes and then Sting gets to demolish him. They skip it. Sting just doesn't sell anything in this match. It's crazy. Yeah, if you ever thought hulking up was egregious... um... He won't like this match. <laughs> yeah, he does it like three times. Yeah. Fair, fair play to Flair for giving him so much because I don't think Flair comes out of this looking great. Like I know Flair and I've seen his previous stuff, but if you've never witnessed it, I think he comes off as a bit of a chump in this match. Uh, they go to break halfway through. Double A is out in the ring when we come back. Uh, this is in the middle of uh, a classic iron rick feud you know who hates who and are they vying for control and is rick being a dick and the answer is usually yes i actually really like the storyline i wish they really kind of explained it story is kind of like since hogan's arrival flares like he's been really down because he's been you know jobbed out to hogan so anybody's gonna be depressed after that mm. kind of the uh the breaking point was flair they him and double a they lost a handicap match to vader and flair snapped at him and blamed his best friend you know, there's no time to run replays or recap it, I guess. So just it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the, the few that we get to witness as we cover all these nitros going into fall, bro. There's also no shame in losing a handicap match to Vader. He's the best. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm going to go back and watch that match. I, I got a great reference for you, Connor. Who does Arn Anderson look like to you when he appears? I don't know. So if I was to say Frank Sabatka. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> he just wow. kind of meanders out and I'm like, wow, is he about to get really, really bitchy and grumpy about port shit? Like this is <laughs> prime 90s material. He's just the the everything from the uh, tracksuit to his really shitty haircut just reminded me so much of it. I could also believe him going to rough up somebody for collections. Is this a Sopranos reference? No, it's, it's the wire. It's the wire. Oh, it was one of those two. It was always going to be one of those two. <laughs> oh, Dave, you got to watch the wire. Come on. Yeah, maybe. It's not a maybe. <laughs> I might just watch community for the fifth time. There's a couple wire references in there. <sighs> it's not even a good show. Uh, oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, it's just nice that Arn just hangs out at ringside, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, the barely seems to care. Mostly, they they call him a uh, poker faced in it, and I'm like, ah, I, I don't think here he wants to be here. It's fine. Big superplex by Sting in the ring, and my god, I can count the moves that Flair gets in on one hand in this match. Closest thing to a squash I've ever seen him in. Sting gets distracted by Arn on the outside for no good reason. Just decides to shout at Arn a little bit. This lets Flair get a chop block and lock in the figure four middle of the ring. Of course, Sting no tries to no sell this and flip out of it, but he just clings onto the rope for his life. Ref counts to four, doesn't break it, recounts to four, Flair doesn't break it, calls for the DQ of the match. We don't get a second to breathe, though. Arn hits the ring, breaks up the figure four, and starts brawling with Flair, sending him scrambling to the back. Some pretty stiff-looking shots by Arn as well. We sure nothing's really happening in real life. Who else expected uh, Aaron to hit a spine buster on Sting? Turn around and hit a spine buster on Sting. Hands up. <laughs> I'm actually kind of shocked 
considering all the bits we've seen on the show so far that are are going to become tropes. And this is like the one time that he doesn't get played for a fool. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yes. They're not yes. a tag team together, you know? They have, he has to convince be convinced to be in a tag team with them or something, you know? Yeah, it's no, coming that's, again. That's it's like coming. a couple of months in in the future, Dave. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's coming. Like, that very famous gif is literally a few months from now. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I don't think I've seen them them do this spot in other matches before, but Sting does a backbridge. And this is like a move that like, you know, the oh, cruiserweights cool, or yeah. like mid mid carters do. And they they did it right too. Yeah, they they did a reversal into a pin and then a back bridge into a slide uh for two counters. Real smooth as well. This might be uh the kind of smoothest I've seen Flair since we yeah, started. Yeah, I've been noted too. Yeah. I thought like, you looked great. Yeah, it looks like old Flair. It literally looks like like it's really similar to a bunch of their stuff from their previous legendary matches. And you're, I was kind of happy. Correct, Dave. He is old here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the weird transitionary period where they kind of didn't really want to do anything with them, but he just kept hanging around and kept getting pops and stuff. So he's kind of worth too much to do actual nothing with. I guess he's too much of an asset to do actual nothing with, but. It is, it is a little weird, but this this show, I think it's perfect. These are two of the most experienced hands you have, and you know all their matches are good. A bit like the first match, good match to have in front of this crowd. Yeah, of course, that we, we know as fans with the network that we can fire up any Flair Sting match before, but a lot of people probably haven't seen this match, so this was a, a great time to, to show everybody. Yeah, no, this is, this is really, really good for the time it gets and everything, especially on a, on a TV show. That's the other part of it. Crowds aren't used to seeing this on television for free. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there is the argument about whether that's a good thing, and they probably went too far in the end and destroyed that kind of market. But like you're saying, this is a big deal. It's a pretty big match that would typically only be on pay-per-view or a Clash of the Champions or what have you, and it's just on Nitro. But it, it also still threads the needle with uh, with Arn's storyline as well. So it's I, I thought they did a great job with everything. Yeah, a little bit of development, a little bit of introduction. I think really good, and we don't even get a chance to absorb this match because straight away we get another debutante, and Scott Norton is out to scream in Mongo's face. <laughs> Scott is looking oh to make a name God. for himself, and this is the most animated I've ever seen him on the show. Scott Norton still giving a crap. Never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> Almost getting ruined right from the get go. Mongo completely does the wrong thing. Like he's so wrong in what he's meant to say to Scott Norton here. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, you're this kind of impressive dude and like, I respect you kind of way and standing up to you. He's just like, eh, who are you, man? I want a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, completely goes into defense mode. Not great look, but Macho puts him over well. Macho grabs him, is out to break up the fight and he says if uh, Macho wants to make his reputation off others, is Macho's reputation big enough? challenges them to a fight there and then but uh wcw officials break it up because you know you don't want wrestling matches on your wrestling show <laughs> if he wrestles that night they will fire him they're gonna have to wait till next week tune into next week's nitro to see the result of scott norton Macho. jj Dillon didn't sign this match no. <laughs> oh, of course he didn't sign it or I, th- I think Bockwinkle is the commissioner right now. We have insurance to think of, guys, and that's what everyone wants to hear on the wrestling shows. You're not insured to wrestle tonight, Scott. That's what the mm, fans want. Yes. Safe wrestling. <laughs> hey, it's another trope, but it works. Like It, it does. Give 100%. people a reason to come back next week. And also, Macho is incredibly over. 
Uh, oh yeah, so. <laughs> Macho's still riding high. I, I, I always, I, you know, again, our timeline. We criticize him. He's not looking as good. But I th- always thought it was a good move for him to move. WWE weren't going to use him anymore. They were going to use him in commentary only. And I think he still had good wrestling matches in in him. And we've seen that with the DDP match. I also, I, all joking aside, I like Scott Norton. I think he does some great work in Japan. I think he's a good big guy. I think he showed some energy here. And it's sad to see him kind of just walk through the motions on our timeline. Just uh, give this guy a body slam, fall off the side of the ring, get paid, go home kind of stuff. I don't know. Him with uh, Ice Train doesn't really work for me. Oh, that's fair. The iconic duo, of course. Surely uh, him and Vicious and Delicious is, is better, no? Mm, he has oh, stopped man. caring so before Vicious <laughs> and Delicious. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> he comes out, throws a punch, takes a bump, goes home, gets paid. He knows what's up. Scott Norton knows what's up way before we know what's up. I mean... The best part of what you just described is half the time that's not even a match. That's just his run-ins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know, Scott was big in Japan before this. It wasn't just during his WCW run he got big in Japan. He had already had some success there. So I can see why they like they saw something in, in him. Like, big guy yeah. got over with wrestling fans before. As we've seen, he's like a fine wrestler as well. Interesting to see he falls so fast, though. Goes from like fighting macho to pretty mid-card pretty fast. Couldn't go to promo. That's that's probably the simple reason. Yeah, ne- never stopped Luger. But commentary throw into a hype package for someone I had completely yes! forgot. Yeah. Had WCW yes! matches. Sabu. Exact same name, exact same gimmick from WCW. They have very uh, blurry, fast-paced, wild man kind of vignette for him where he's getting all his stuff in. But it's hard to watch. Do you think they just stole the footage? Oh, yeah. that's why it's so blurry? <laughs> or- 100%. Is that is like, it? I don't know. That, that's it looks that's like what I'm crappy. curious about. I guess they don't want to show the extreme violence, which is another reason why I'm like, why mm. are you bringing Sabu? Like, his yeah. appeal is the extreme violence and his scars. And Heyman, obviously, this is how we're going to market the guy. And WCW is like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, wait, we can't really <laughs> show this show guy national team. any of his stuff. Yeah. I, w- I will say at the time, he was, as far as I can see, as far as I can read, like, earmarked as like a huge kind of prospect. Because him and RVD were having matches that Americans hadn't seen before. Maybe Japanese wrestlers had, maybe Mexican wrestler fans had, but they were having pretty out there matches. And when Sabu wasn't botching and breaking his ribs, he had, he had some high quality stuff going on. But part of the reason he, they're so, what's the word? Not revolutionary, but like part of the reason innovative. he's standing out is yeah. innovative, yeah, is because they were doing lots of stuff that WCW just wouldn't want. Yeah, so, this is true. It's easy to look at hindsight, but so yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I don't fault them for taking the chance on the guy. And yeah, his career is uh in WCW's what a couple months he's here. Short, very yeah, short. Yeah, it's it's very it's short. the same year he comes back to he comes back to ECW, and then he tours Japan after. That. I think he has one Nitro match. I think wait, well, he has a pay per view match. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think he has like four matches in the company, like all together. Mm. Yeah, I don't get this. And, like, at least with the others, what they see is potential. So they tried to get RVD in as Glacier. You know, they cleaned up Raven's kind of gimmick, and they're trying to have him as just a cult leader without the violence and stuff like that. They bring their guys in and change. No, this is just Sabu. They call him Sabu. They don't try to change him up at all. Did they sign him at the same time as Chris and Dean and Eddie? This is the same period, right? 
It would be close. I'm yes. not exactly sure. It's probably yeah. It's probably really close. I don't think they're on the they're on the roster yet, but it's very close because I know Eddie is on the pre-show at Fall Brawl. So I I have I have a sneaking suspicion that those three guys all sign. Yeah, this is a part of the reason why I, I want to cover these early nitros because it's a very foggy period between Havoc and Starcade. Like I, I know what happens with the Dungeon of Doom there, but what happens with these mid card guys? It's, just just like, admit you want to see the really bad Halloween Havoc. <laughs> obviously, but I, I also want to see the next week's show because Sabu is going to wrestle Alex Wright podcast. Favorite. Oh yeah, oh Ooh. man. <laughs> That sounds like a great match on paper. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, in theory. Really. <laughs> Maybe he gets fired because he busts out some barbed wire, you know? That would be cool. Uh, I don't think so. To burst your bubble, Dave. Uh, but yeah, it does it, it does kind of seem, I think, that it's either they've stolen the footage or it's like peak mid-90s editing and they're like, ooh, I can do this really cool wave effect. You want me to do that? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's, it, it'll look great. Like, you, cool, did you know cool. the editor had this button? Look what it does. <laughs> I'll never forget doing that early tape-to-tape editing, and you're like going, okay, so what can you do? And it's like, well, I can do a star wipe. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> star wipes for everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting to see. They, not, they, they're not like, I'm not saying they're over the moon high about them. But obviously they're high enough on them to have a vignette for them in their opening show. And uh, it's also them showing they're kind of fresh. Like this is, we've seen two debuts, right? And now vignette for Sabu. And they're bringing in a lot of new talent. And Eric already has serious plans for what's uh, happening in the future. Gene is in the ring. Of course, me and Gene is in the ring. And he says something about buying land here in the 50s for cheap before it was a mall. But he was eight, so he couldn't. Thank you, Gene. Mean needs to, mean needs to keep working his material for the five minutes. Yeah, sure. he like. tells us someone won a Harley, and that's kind of neat. He tells us who it is, and that lucky person got a Harley Davidson, probably because Bischoff thinks that's what everyone wants in life. I, I reckon. Maybe yeah. I'd, I'd take a Harley if it was yeah. free. Yeah, I'd for take sure. a free Harley. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I, I was disappointed there was no hotline. Uh, <laughs> Well, we got we got a normal ad for that instead of Gene. Uh, yeah, Gene putting it himself. He it was pre prepared, too professional. I didn't enjoy it. You know, that's what I was <laughs> expecting. Was like some dirty backstage gossip about like somebody not being happy with Luger returning or something. <laughs> I always wanted to see it go real dirt cheaty. Gene's like, we saw someone out the back doing drugs. <laughs> Call us to see who. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there was an actual shoot fight in the back what's a shoot fight you find out when you call me <laughs> yeah, it's funny that instead of the hotline we get wcw and bischoff plugging saturday night this, saturday i mean night, yeah they'll yeah. plug it occasionally on nitro but it'll be very quick like rundown like you're gonna see maybe these superstars you have to tune in to find out or whatever this was like you're gonna see this match you're gonna see this match and it was pretty high caliber tell and so yeah it was, it was like macho and sting right yeah, this is when they cared about Saturday night. This uh, this is quickly cut short. This is like a two-second thing with Gene. And we had another vignette. Well, not vignette, I guess, pre-prepared interview with Wall Street, the former IRS, and a slightly less cartoony gimmick. It's Mike Wall Street. And he just takes so many shots at WB in the new generation. 
and there's kind of a theme through the show where he takes people, a shot at himself. Yeah, I he think. takes a shot at his own gimmick. Like, yeah. what do you want? <laughs> he takes a shot at his own gimmick. All the best wrestlers in the world Hogan, Savage, Sting, and now Wall, Wall Street. <laughs> the poor man's million dollar man. Again, definitely was a good wrestler, Rotunda, at one point. Yeah. But by, by now, not so much. <laughs> it's kind of funny to see there is a pattern here of Vince taking the new generation, taking WB in a new direction that probably was healthy, like probably was necessary. And a bunch of his old workers getting really disgruntled, going to another company and shooting on him. It, it, like I don't paint Vince McMahon in a good light sometimes, but uh, yeah, this, this is just old guys jumping the ship, taking a paycheck. And this is the kind of side of WCW that I don't think I like. And I'm a fan of Rotunda. I do agree with Gus. Uh, great hand solid cartoony gimmick his entire life and got a bunch of paychecks from it. But as we see in our timeline also, he doesn't really end up doing much. I think what's funniest about the gimmick is like right from the beginning is that they're ripping off Million Dollar Man. It, it's quite obvious and obviously uh, Wall Street, the film and stuff. But they're, they're skimping on costs right from the beginning. <laughs> and it's, it's the gimmick that you're not supposed to skimp yeah. on either, yeah. It's like, it's literally the gimmick. You can't skimp on money. Like, that's what you can't do. And it's already happening. And, like, right from his, like, really shitty blazer with with a spray-on dollar sign that probably looks like it's going to fall off any moment. doesn't help that you can see part of the hard camera like kind of in the yeah, corner of the shot in. so yeah you could there was some minor technical things about the show that wasn't like dynamite so i just wanted to point them out that this show wasn't like 100 like they nailed it but you know for a first show it's gonna have some hiccups i think yeah it's kind of weird we know big boba is in the main event here and he's gimmickless for his entire run in this company and they've decided to put such a weird specific gimmick on irs instead of just calling why not just call him mike Rotunda? If you really want to go there, they put such a weird specific gimmick on him that kind of makes fun of Vince. And so they get this guy to jump over as like a living caricature. And that's all fun and games, but they must be paying him a decent amount of money as well. And then Big Bubba in the main event is just himself with some street clothes that he must have owned himself. And such a weird contrast. Did you know who was scheduled to be a part of the main event? No. Ooh. Us? I don't. I'm trying to think who could possibly be. They're currently on the roster, yeah. Yeah, he around this time he gets fired and it gets he goes to the WWF. Ooh. We did an episode on him. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, Big Vader. Yeah, yeah. Big Vader. Yeah, yeah. Which, we talked about him a sweet main event. I, I know. I, I remember exactly why he got fired. Now, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is this is exactly when it happens. Yeah, he gets, he gets into a thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 He gets whooped by Orndorff. Uh, <laughs> uh, not according to Vader. Not according to Vader, my hero Vader. Thank you very much. That, well, he was just too respectful to hit an old man, according to Vader. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. I don't, one of these people had a had a black eye and the other one didn't. Uh, <laughs> a respectful black eye. A respectful black eye, you know. <laughs> man, that would have been a much better main event, to be fair. Yeah, I, I've always thought that uh, Vader had a really good WCW run. And looking at the NWO stuff, I really wonder... We're not going to get into fantasy booking, but like, how cool would a Vader? I think Vader would have fit in pretty well in this whole thing. With with, with who? NWO Vader <laughs> of no snap snap NWO Vader. Get the get a black and white mask on him. I actually think he's doesn't fit that at all. 
and he's no, probably, actually probably not, not an attitude style guy either. Yeah, I think he came to the WWF like at the right time because they they really needed somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. They, we've already talked about the misuse and the the other video of him in WWF. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah. who knows? He might not have been in Boy Meets World if he didn't. <laughs> yeah, what a shame! What, what a shame! <laughs> Our main event has Big Bubba. He's uh, first out and he's just in like a suit, I guess, with suspenders and like a loose shirt. And his gimmick is man that hasn't bought wrestling gear yet, I Some, guess. Yeah, somehow his gear is worse than what we were watching now. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I can get into suspenders instead of the black sweatshirt. <laughs> you know what he looks like? Except Actually, the- he, he looks like IRS did in WWE. With the suspenders yeah, and like the weird kinda, shirt, yeah. but he doesn't have IRS's gimmick. And they refer to him being a police officer like twice in the match, but that's not part of his gimmick. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of Brain doing that. And yeah, like he already put it like he put him over well that he can wrestle in like different styles and he's very agile, yet he's like strong. But you don't have to mention that part of the gimmick. It, it, it stinks if we don't know really what to do with you. Like he's by all accounts, Ray Parker's like a. Uh, well, like trailer, trailer, sorry, right? Uh, trailer is like a well, like guy and like well regarded hand backstage, and I think that's kind of why he got this run. But uh, and he's it, familiar with Hogan, that's yeah, probably yeah. a big thing. Eric says this, he's like, they they work together, they trust each other, and he like this match is fine. This might be one of the better matches we cover on Hogan on the uh, on the podcast, but before I jump into the match. Do you guys get Hogan's music on the on the network for this? You mean the ripoff of Real American? Uh, yeah, basically. But it's like it's super like the Steiner music, like you guys said yeah. for Sting. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's the same guy for all three songs. Just some ah, like collecting be, yeah. major paychecks here. Yeah. <laughs> I I've kind of liked Hogan's WCW music between this and Voodoo Child. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's cool. not bad. It's it's fine. It's not Real American. No, no. It, so. it's, it is weird seeing him in the yellow and red, though. Like yes. It, after seeing yeah. all constant promos on Nitro in, in the black. And his long hair as well. Mm-hmm. That really put me off at the start. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> this feels very much like Hogan light. Like, it's not quite his WWE stuff, where it's a lot bigger and more brazen than this, if, which is, seems difficult to be, but it seems like that. And it's not as cool kind of NWO shtick. It's this like weird phoning it in in between pasta Hogan. Let's call him pasta Hogan era. He's just cashing in on Hulkamania, man. So. And in fairness, still over. Like the crowd yeah. erupt at everything he does in this match. He's out muscling Bubba for the majority of it. Bubba never stays in control for long periods. Hogan always gets his shtick in. And the crowd love it every time and are booing the crap out of Bubba anytime he does anything. In the middle of the ring, Hogan gets Bubba down and he starts hitting him closed fist, middle of the ring, and the ref pulls Hogan's hair to get him off, yeah. which is a weird spot to begin with. But then mm. Hogan like bitches at him like a heel. I, I love Mongo questions. What's that all about? The other commentators, silence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because uh, nobody uh, knows why is, why would the ref do just, that? <laughs> yeah, he just loves this. I don't Hogan obviously puts this stuff together because he's done it through his whole career. Why? The, I I I just don't get it. You you've also missed uh, Mongo's joyous uh, calling of Hulk Hogan to the technical wrestler. The tech, yeah, Hogan's the technical guy in this matchup, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think Brain was just, had, I've had enough of you. I'm not selling anything you say. <laughs> Do you think that Mongo is the reason that Bobby gets so disillusioned with commentary? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My, my, my favorite comment of, of the show is uh, Mongo asks Brain, have you ever seen better wrestling on television? And Brain's, you've never, you've never been out with the Kowalski twins before? And you could, <laughs> you could tell when Brain just like, I'm going to slip something that he just, he's, there's no way he knows how to answer this. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, Bobby yeah, forever. Their little rivalry is so bizarre and so forced and so crap. I, it, it's one, like, I, I really enjoyed the show. It's the one thing that was a labor in the show listening to them. I even enjoyed this Hogan match a bit because while I'm going to point out some heel Hogan nonsense, because that's a given on this podcast, it was a fine Hogan match where he's the face and the heel Looks strong, but isn't stronger than Hulkamania, brother. Boba doesn't get that many cheap shots in. He gets like a rake of the eyes once or twice. But like Jimmy Hart distracts him. So Hogan gets a cheap shot in kind of from behind. Then Hogan uses Jimmy Hart's like weird jacket to wrap up Boba's face and hit him a bunch of times when the ref is distracted again. Illegally, I'll have you know, because Hulk Hogan's above the rules. And then he does his he does his rake, but he doesn't even do it on Bubba's back. He does it across his face and chest. That's gross. <laughs> Don't be doing that to people. He then at one stage when Bubba's on the floor does the like super heelish thing where you like twist your foot over their face, like rake their foot with your their face with your foot. Why is that? Why? <laughs> Why is he not doing the, the face stuff? It's just such weird Hogan stuff that he does sometimes and you know the great thing about him being a heel? I don't have to question this stuff anymore. In our timeline, I don't have to be like, why are people cheering this horrible human being? Uh, 1995, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I'm, I might watch some even older Hogan matches, because I think some of the only Hogan matches I've watched in recent years is like, I went back and watched the Andre match, where he doesn't do any of this stuff, really. But you can't really do this stuff to Andre convincingly, right? Yeah, I've seen clips of his Japanese stuff, and that's kind of what really interests me the most. Uh, yeah. I've, I've only seen very short clips and highlights, so that's definitely on the top of my list if we're talking Hogan matches here. But yeah, no, this was fine because, yeah, Ray's, I think, great at what he does. He's just yeah. typical, this like, mid-card, maybe. Yeah, main. he's kind of main event, but not really, so it's, like, a perfect way to use him. It, it's a very old-school, like, Hulk, Hulkamania era Hulk, uh, Hulk Hogan bad guy. And he knows what he's doing, and he makes Hulk look good, and Hulk gets his, you know, spots in, and there's nothing wrong. And it's what's nice is it's fast paced, so Hogan can't do his stalling around the ring stuff, or the Hogan's heel can't stall around yeah. the ring, put on, yeah. put on a million. I, I did rest not miss holds. that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Hogan matches are a lot better when there isn't five hundred and seven rest holds in them, and they <laughs> don't have a chance to do them. It's it's a and lot he more wear a, a a weight belt so he doesn't have to use that as a crutch either yeah 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 lots of stuff like this and the, the end of the match is just fine the end of the match is hogan kicking out of a side slam that i would have taken as a finish you know that was a finisher looking move he kicks out a near two fall he hooks up and he does the leg drop that's acceptable and you should probably have your champion defend his belt and win on your first episode i think this is also good booking they chose the right opponent for him because I don't. I wouldn't have liked to see any of the dungeon members in this match. To be honest, <laughs> the Zodiac, though. I, the yeah, Zodiac. I mean, come on. They have such good chemistry, or something. Can Can you believe they main evented Starcade '94? Oh mm-hmm. God! Can mm-hmm. you believe that? 
they're so close, you know. He's such a good wrestler. After this match, the clown car, car empties and the Dungeon of Doom <laughs> ambushes Hogan. And here come the pretzels. And out comes the entire Dungeon of Doom, including, and a, it's kind of a weird coincidental timing here, Kamala, who has passed away recently. Poor big guy. Uh, I, I completely forgot he had jumped ship. I mean, jumping ship is a bit... <laughs> is a bit yeah. hyperbolic there but uh yeah it was just strange to be like oh oh okay um yeah that's kind of sad it's like yeah. that uh it's becoming more and more and the dungeon of doom is becoming more and more like the uh what's that rumble where there's only like three members of it alive is it like 93 or something yeah it's a it's an early 90s pay-per-view yeah the the vast majority of people aren't alive or, or... yeah it's it's i think it's the one flair wins and it's really depressing to watch because you're like and they died. And they died. <laughs> and ooh, that one died young, you know. How is Flair still alive? <laughs> every day. Every day I ask he, myself. Because he apparently didn't do drugs. Uh, he just drinks all the time. Yeah. He drinks and then he does in the morning, no matter how much he drinks, according to him, he gets up and hits a treadmill and sweats it out. So that's the key to everlasting life. He's basically pickled his entire body over <laughs> he, time. It's probably, it's probably just the Burns principle. Like he's just one of the lucky individuals that it works. Yeah, that with. cheap. Yeah, cheap death. Yeah, basically <laughs> invincible. No, a, a, a strong <laughs> a breeze. Slight breeze. <laughs> a slight breeze could death. I'm invincible. invincible. Completely indestructible. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Hart is. He's he's begging with the crowd to for some sort of sanity here. <laughs> call him whitey whackers. <laughs> sorry we're going down a Simpsons uh, loop here but yeah it's just such a B-rated like fucking group hey, of Mang, people Mang is there like Mang is a great wrestler but the rest of them are just all drags I'm sorry I'm sorry they just are I, I love how they've just all they're all told like so you're all in the Dungeon of Doom but we need something to kind of drag you all together like beyond just like Kevin Sullivan whatever Guys, what if we wore black and white face paint? Like all of us. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll take my statement also back by one man, and that's John Tenta, who never got a fair rub, in my opinion. John Tenta is a great wrestler. <laughs> I was telling Gus the story. Stevie Ray does a podcast, uh, did a podcast episode uh, with someone, and they're talking about Tenta because he, apparently he's like big, he was good friends with Harlem Heat. And he does an impression of him. He's like, John didn't like his gimmicks, man. He was like, I'm not a shark. I'm a man. <laughs> and any time I see John Tenta now, that's all I can hear. I'm not a shark. Yeah, oh. now I feel so bad for him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want these gimmicks at all. He just wanted to be like John Tenta or whatever. He's like, I'm not a natural disaster. I'm a man. Well, sorry, buddy. My, it's just not going to work out that way. Sorry, yeah. buddy. You're 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 going to be an oddity in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. We know you're an extremely large individual. That's very scary on his own merits. But think of what would be what it would be like if you were also a shark. Now get a tattoo. <laughs> now get your tattoo altered. I thought not even yeah, just yeah, get yeah, a yeah. tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so, a tiger, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hogan is easily laying waste to the entire B team here. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. get touched by any of them, but Luger feels that Hogan might be in trouble at any second and comes out and helps defend Hogan from the dungeon. Uh, and Hogan turns and, you know, c- cocks the fist to punch him, but he stops seeing it's Luger. 
but straight away starts giving him a barrage of shit for stopping him from getting his ass kicked. He's like, what are you doing here? Go back to where you come from. I'm like, oh, that's not great wording by the all-American American here, but um, it, he just gets so mad at Luger for helping him. How is he a face ever? Because, I mean, when you're at the top of the mountain, Dave, you got to be wary of who's going to try and top the off it. Mm-hmm. It only this- gets worse, Dave. Come fall, brawl. <laughs> yeah. This is all very true. Because you were actually saying how uh, how jarring you found the commercial jump here to me earlier. Oh, this is fantastic. They they start jawing off at each other. They're, you can't really tell. You can't hear properly what they're saying. I'm like, oh, this is actually really well done. Like they're, they've set up this kind of cliffhanger where they're going to they're going to leave it and then be like, oh, you're going to have to tune in to Nitro next next week to, to find out what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's great. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to go out, get me and Gene out there for an interview. Actually, let's go to a commercial break where we're going to talk about the plight of muscular dystrophy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so such an awkward ad. Oh, I mean, great. Great ad. Fully support it. It's a cool thing. It was nice to see that they were like trying to help out with charity and all that kind of thing. But just the timing of it was just so out of place. And I was like, so wait, what is the show over? Am I supposed to hang on? I'm like, Oh no, it's back. Okay. Oh, they're just going to have an interview right now and get rid of the entire cliffhanger. Okay. (laughs) But it's like the Jericho thousand moves thing, like whatever, thousand 14 holds or whatever. When you, Come on. <laughs> when you're on when you're on the ads, you presume Jericho just keeps listing moves, even though he didn't. Apparently he just talked shit to the crowd so they boo more. But that's what you presume when you go to ads as a watcher. Am I to presume Hogan and Luger have just stood in the ring for those three minutes of ads and just shouted abuse at each other? No, they definitely just stood there. They probably had a like a chat about their kids or something. Yeah. How's how's the missus? Ah, she's fine. The move was a bit rough. How are you doing? They're paying me a lot of money, Lex. They're paying me a lot. (laughs) They come back from commercial and they both do what I hope are impromptu interviews because if you had a script for this, someone should have been fired. They both do very old school ramblings about vague references to where they used to wrestle and how they both had careers there and something about Hogan being the top dog and they keep trying to interrupt each other and one-up each other. Then Hogan goes on an ungodly weird rant about how he's the best and how if you if you stick out your stink is he called stinky or stinking hand and shake it I'll give you a shot tomorrow it doesn't have to be next month it doesn't have to be next week it's like next nitro I'm like okay Hogan why why do you have to insult the personal hygiene of his hand like the true face you are he kept cutting Luger off too like come on man. Luger seemed genuinely mad. Yeah, yeah. genuinely mad. He's like, "Let me finish. Let me finish." I'm like, "Yeah, Hogan, right, come on, please, can I finish?" Yeah, all right, I'm Yeah, maybe, maybe Hogan's actually a pro, and he knew uh, Luger was floundering, so he had to give him a chance to think. So we're getting a face face off, a face versus face already dynamic for the next Nitro. But you got to do something with your debuting guy. I understand Luger's like a big signing at this moment. You want to launch him straight into a program like that. Um, already we see Sting becoming kind of friendly with Luger. He was out to like break up the kerfuffle and seemed to be like favoring Luger a little bit and starting that storyline thread. I, I never really enjoyed their kind of relationship. They're kind of on again, off again, friendship. Yeah, better get used to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the setup. This is the setup pay-per-view war games, so. 
This is true. So I ask you at the end of episodes, usually, guys, whose side are you on? There's obviously no NWO yet, and it's been a bit nice not having an NWO for a while. So I'm going to ask you instead, firstly, do you think this was a successful first episode of uh, Nitro? Not whether you liked it or not. Do you think it was a successful launch of this concept? And whose side are you on? Monday Night Raw or Nitro at this stage? Gus, why don't you go ahead and lead it off? The first one is easy. This is absolutely success. Even with all the NWO and everything, this changes wrestling by itself. And the fact that they don't completely screw it up, they manage to nail, I'd say, at least half of their tropes in one show uh, right from the start. Yes, they miss on some things. The commentary team is terrible uh, for the most part. <laughs> like the, It's just the wrong people together. So I, I can't remember how long it takes before they kind of settle into the first and second error crowd and then it changes from well, again. they need to have a second hour <laughs> yeah uh so like that doesn't work and some of the people on it aren't aren't great and whatever but i get the cruiserweights they have the cruiserweights in the opening match to show off somebody they have a really, really hot crowd they didn't technically run against raw this week so they didn't start the monday night wars as it were to begin with as Raw is currently being preempted for the US Open. But they set a really, really good start, good foundation. They, they hit it out of the park, really, when you think about it. Really changes television for the next, at a minimum, five years. It's arguable it's still going on, that, that, that it's influencing. And I think it has far more relevance than what Vince does. I think Vince has to react to this in order to come back to it. As for whose side, I mean, I watched mid-90s WWF and God, it was rough. So (laughs) I'd have to see some more of these shows because this obviously is a great start, but it's not a consistent thing. And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up the tempo, as it were. So I'll lean WWF for now for Raw, but only out of not having enough material to base it off of. And how about you, uh, Connor? Same questions. Gus pretty much summed it up greatly with uh, Nitro. Obviously a huge success, and they plan this out great. It's it's nice when you actually plan things out, you know? Have a plan. Because, <laughs> yeah, they they deliberately put this show unopposed. It obviously would work out. They, they had a good rating, and I think the next week they even beat Raw in the ratings too, which is another surprising did, uh, thing. Yeah. I think what's also refreshing and surprising to go back and watch since I've watched so many Thunders and Nitros, uh, Nitro ending with a clean finish feels great. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's a good thing to have during your first show as well. It's, I think it's a given, but for whose side I'm on? I'm, yeah, I'm just going to be on WCW. I, I try and watch 95 WWF stuff and everything just feels wrong. And I just, I can't, I can never get into it. it there's, there's aspects of it that I love and the, uh, the new generation goes through a little rough spot, but once Brett and Sean get back in the, the main spotlight, man, it's, it really shines. And that's that's the WWF I really like. So this, I, I'm going to be on WCW here, but as soon as uh, after Halloween Havoc, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to echo, echo your guys' sentiments. Am I completely happy with every bit of the execution? No. Am I completely happy with this kind of anti-new generation kind of shtick some of their older guys do? No. But... This is a great launch. This has started a bunch of the stuff that has stayed true to wrestling companies to today in a lot of successful, 
new innovative kind of stuff came through this show and Eric has to take a lot of the kind of kudos for that. So I think a really good launch to your new show. Uh, I think really brave to put it on this time slot and a lot of interesting debuts though. Funnily enough, looking at it, not that many of them end up panning out long-term over the next two years, but that's that's also just the nature of wrestling. And I think it's an easy on Team WCW for this one. If I watched this as a young kid compared to WBF at the time, I think I'd be straight here. I wouldn't be the biggest Hulk Hogan fan at any point in my life, but that opening match, fantastic. And even the second match is something I think would have kept me coming back for more. And the last thing that we didn't mention that uh, definitely won me over as they close the show out is Mongo has his dog in a devil costume. <laughs> Tiny devil Ador- costume. Adorable. Adorable. Just asleep on his chest, basically. Yeah. Providing more questions than answers, I guess, is what Mongo's doing there. <laughs> Where did it come from? Does he have multiple costumes for his dog? <laughs> what I is that part him. of his gimmick? Or does he just like having his dog around? None of them are important, and we'll see next week on Nitro. <laughs> That's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under the handle WCW vs. NWO podcast. Anywhere else they can find us, Connor. Yeah, you can find us on Patreon. So this episode will be on Patreon, but it's also going to be available on free feeds. But going forward, if you want to hear us talk about Nitro each and every month, can donate to our patreon that's patreon.com slash wcw versus nwo podcast we also have a vimeo page where we also have some fun uh video exclusives over there from me connor and thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us we hope to see you next time